welcome to the Bikers Church Midrand Podcast. It's great to have you join us for this week's episode. We hope that you find this valuable for your daily life. Welcome and thank you for joining us. Today is an exciting day for us because we are revealing the brand new name for our church. Now, if you would like to know what that name is, I encourage you to hang in there with us as we just take a few moments and really give you the heart behind our new name. Now, every morning you have to wake up. And every morning that you wake up, you have to do something. You have to live life. Isn't that true? You get to choose how you live life. I mean, you can live life in your pajamas, uh, all fed up with, with life and grumpy and, and, and really not enjoying it. Or you can wake up in the morning and decide today, I'm grabbing life by the horns and I'm going to live it with everything that I have. But no matter which way you decide to go, when you wake up in the morning, you have to live life. I have to live life. And if life is something that we have to live, then what is life? What is life? Now I went and looked it up on Wikipedia of all places, and it was really interesting <laughs> to me to, to see that when it comes to, to Wikipedia, they say there that we have no consensus on a definition for life. We have no consensus on a definition for life. And I just laughed at that. I was like, wait a minute. So you're telling me that as a society, we cannot agree. <laughs> that sounds about right, doesn't it? As a result, we all kind of end up with our own version of what life is. And it's demonstrated through the phrases that we use day in and day out. Phrases like, what a life, or that's life, or not on my life, or that person's the life of the party. We all have a friend like that. We might also all have a friend that sucks the life out of you. And when things just seem to keep going wrong and kind of just falling from one place to the next, we tend to say something like, that's just the story of my life. Fortunately, the dictionary does have a definition for the word life. And the dictionary defines life as existence, being, living, aliveness and no that's not a word that i just made up it really feels like a word that i just made up but it's there aliveness creation survival oftentimes to figure out what something is we need to go and have a look at what it isn't and as we look at at what life isn't the the dictionary defines it as death or non-existence 
And as I've kind of laid out all those words, there were two words that really jumped out at me the first time I I read through this definition of life. And it was the two words, existence and non-existence. Because if I'm honest, when I think of life, I don't know that existence really describes life and the the life that I want to live. Like, I don't just want to exist. I don't know about you. I don't think you just want to exist. I think we all want to live and we want to live really good lives. Like, in my mind, a rock exists, but it's not alive. There's there's no life (laughs) there. So I think it's fair for us to say that in life, we can agree that there would be different degrees of life. Different degrees of life. Think about this. A year ago, right now, in our nation of South Africa, um, one year ago, we were in lockdown, hard lockdown. We weren't allowed to leave our homes. Uh, You were allowed to leave your home if you were an essential worker or if you were going to the shops for essential things like groceries. That's it. Those were the only times we were allowed to leave our homes. Now, I think it's fair for us to say that we were living life. Like there was life there. There was life from the standpoint that we had air and food and water and something to wear and roof over our heads. But I think that as we use that word life, we wouldn't say that we were living life to the full. Like there wasn't a fullness of life there. It was more an existence than real full life. We, we couldn't go out and meet with friends and, and our family. We, we were lacking those relational connections I mean, Zoom even came along and tried their best and, and did a pretty decent job, and, but nothing could substitute that actual connection of one life meeting with another life. We couldn't just hop on the bike or into the car and ride or drive wherever we wanted to. Couldn't get to work, couldn't go to school. Most of the kids were going, yes. <laughs> Something very shallow. I couldn't buy tracksuit pants. I really wanted to buy tracksuit pants. I needed (laughs) tracksuit pants, but I couldn't buy tracksuit pants. And as we look at these things, I think we can can recognize that that we weren't able to, to live the sort of life that we would naturally want to live. So yes, there was an existence, there was a level of life, but there wasn't a fullness to life that we would want to really live. Now there was a man by the name of Abraham Maslow. And some of you may know uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Well, that's him. And in his hierarchy of needs, he just speaks of these different levels of, or, or categories of needs that we experience in life. From the simplest being the physiological to, the, to our safety needs, to our love needs, to our esteem needs. And then in his estimation, 
the highest level of need in our life being self-actualization. So the lowest rang of these, of these needs would be our physiological needs being air, food, water, clothing, sleep, that sort of stuff. And then he goes all the way through to this highest level of need being our self-actualization needs. What he really means by that is he describes this level as the desire to accomplish everything that one can or to become the most that a person can become. So in terms of my life, for me to become the most as a person that I possibly can become. Now, we know not everyone agrees with Mr. Maslow. There's several schools of thought out there. But I found this interesting. I really found this interesting. As I looked at his hierarchy of needs, I came to realize something or, 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 or I was reminded of something. That looking at our greatest needs from, from this perspective, when we talk about a full life, when we talk about a satisfied life, it actually doesn't talk about money, power, and fame. It doesn't actually talk about, about being really wealthy, having lots of stuff, having many possessions. It was the financial expert, Dave Ramsey, who said, money will not make you happy. Money will make you more of what you already are. What's Mr. Ramsey saying? What he's really saying is that money will not give you the life that you've always wanted. It will just reveal the character that you've always had. So when I look at, at living a full and satisfied life, like a life to the full, I see that, that this is not going to bring me that fullness of life. So then I stopped and I just asked myself, when I think of living a full life, what does that mean to me? And maybe as you watching this this morning, when you think of, of, the, of the question, what does living a full life look like? What does it look like to you? What does it look like in your life? To me, as I thought through this, I thought to myself, living a full life to me would mean becoming who I was created to be. Becoming who I was created to be. Strip it right down. For me, that is a full life. If I can live a life living out who I was created to be, I believe that that would be a really full life. And I believe that it would be the same for you. That if you could love the life that you were created to be, you would be living a full and satisfied life. And it kind of echoes what Mr. Maslow was saying, but I don't believe that it was his original thought. I believe that it really lines up with God's heart for my life and God's heart for your life. 
So if becoming who I was created to be is living that full life, then how do I get there? I stop and I kind of think to myself, let's go right back to the beginning. I, I go back to the book of Genesis. And we mentioned this last week in our Easter message. That the book of Genesis, as we look at creation, as we, as we look at God putting all these pieces together, when he makes man and woman, it says that we were created in his image. We carry the image of God. So being created in his image. I sat and I thought about that and I just realized that that means that the more I become like Jesus, the more I become the person I was created to be. Translated into your life, the more you become like Jesus, the more you become the person you were created to be. Why? Because you were created in God's image. Now, keeping that in mind, we see Paul come and kind of giving a, 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 bit, of a, a bit of a warning to the church in Corinth. And here's what he says to them. He says, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided, certain translations say simple, your pure and simple devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Now, for those of you who didn't grow up in church, and for those of you who, 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 who don't quite get into this kind of language, uh, don't run away, please. Um, ultimately, what, what Paul is talking about here, or what he's identifying, and Scripture shows us this probably more than 90 times throughout Scripture, we're essentially told that, that we have a mutual enemy. You and me, we have a mutual enemy. He's named uh, various different things throughout Scripture, from Satan to the devil to some really gnarly names. Um, as we look at them all, for me it kind of comes down to that he's like this enemy of my soul. Like he's this enemy of your soul. Here Paul's re referring to him as he was referred to in the book of Genesis being a serpent. Um, but he, it's just this enemy of our souls that's out for our destruction. He's out for my destruction as he would be out for your destruction. And what Paul is saying is, he's like, don't, don't take his bait. Like, don't latch on to what he's selling. Don't buy it. What he's saying is, don't be led, don't be led astray from the simplicity and the purity of your relationship with Jesus. That's the focus of this scripture. Let us return, let us hang on to the pure and simple relationship that we have with Jesus. And I love that. 
I love that because for me that speaks into becoming who we were created to be. So often we feel like in our relationship with God, it's all about what we do, what we don't do, and we kind of get hung up on the semantics. And I, I, I think as Paul speaks here, it's not about doing more or doing less, but that it's really just returning to this pure and simple relationship with Jesus. See, it's in Him that we find fulfillment. It's in Jesus that we find this fullness of life. And as you and I choose to make Jesus, who is life in himself, as we choose to make him the life central to our lives, it's in this space that we find fullness and fulfillment and satisfaction in life. Jesus kind of makes reference to this enemy of our souls in, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10 and verse 10, where he, he calls him the thief. And he says this, he says, the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and to destroy. But my purpose is to give them life and a rich and satisfying life. So he's saying here that, yeah, the enemy of your soul, he has a purpose. His purpose is there to steal your purpose, <laughs> to come and, and rob you of that in life. But don't worry, because I have a purpose too. And my purpose is to give you life and to give you a rich and satisfying life. And if we go and look at different translations, some translations refer to this portion here where they say, Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. Like he's come to give us a rich and satisfying life, a full life. So often we look at that and we think of the other side of eternity. If you've grown up in the church, if you've grown up around Bible teaching, so often we, we kind of think of it as just this eternal life, life beyond death, that that's full and that's satisfying and that's rich. But as I look at what Jesus is talking about here within the context, yes, it means that. But I believe with all my heart that Jesus came to give you and me a full and satisfying life on this side of eternity. I don't believe that he intends for you and me to walk around sour all day, <laughs> hating life. No, because I believe that he's asked us to be a mirror that reflects his image on this side of eternity. For us to, to be that representation of him right here, right now, living out that fullness of life. And I don't believe that that looks sour. I don't believe that that looks sad. No, I believe that that looks satisfied in Jesus. We've looked at Wikipedia's definition to life. We looked at the definition uh, caught up in the, in the dictionary of life. But if we go and look at what Jesus was saying here, I've come that you may have life and a rich and satisfying life. That word life that he uses there, 
In the original language, it speaks about a real and genuine life. A real and genuine life. Guys and ladies, I want to live a real and genuine life. I don't want to live a fake life. I don't want to live something that's going to break, that's cheap, that's, that's, that's not going to last. Like, I want to live something that has substance to it, something that's real, that's genuine. It carries on. It says, a life active and vigorous. I have a four-year-old. I see, I see active and vigorous from the time he wakes up to the time he shuts his eyes. I'm getting a very good picture of what, of what active and vigorous looks like. And I want that. I want that active and vigorous life. And Jesus came to give that to us. And it talks about this life being found in, in being devoted to God. Like coming back to that pure and simple relationship with Jesus. You see, in Jesus, you and I can have a rich and satisfying life. It's His plan A for your life. It's His plan A for my life. There's this moment where He's in the Garden of Gethsemane uh, the night before He's crucified. We celebrated this just last week. And as He's in the Garden, He's praying for you and He's praying for me. And his words are captured in John chapter 17 and verse 3, where he prays this for us. He says, And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, and he's speaking to God, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. How do we experience eternal life? How do we experience fullness of life? By being in a pure and, and, and simple relationship with Jesus. You see, Jesus is inviting you and he's inviting me into a full life with him. And it is when I make him central in my life that I get to experience that full life that He promised. I experience a full and satisfied life. This full life that Jesus spoke of when I make Him central in my life. It was King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes where he talks about everything being meaningless under the sun. Everything is meaningless under the sun. And it's quite a depressing book if you don't know what it's about and if you don't quite understand the language that they're using in there. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live a meaningless life. I want to live that full life that Jesus promised. I really do. And this phrase, under the sun, really speaks of, it's, it's like this metaphor for a life void of God. Under the sun, everything under the sun is a life void of God. And he says there that everything is meaningless in a life 
void of God. A life without God becomes meaningless. But when I make God central, the central reason for my life, I experience a rich and satisfying life in Him. There's this moment where Jesus is speaking to the to the leading authorities of the day, the religious leaders, sorry, of the day. And he says this to them. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Guys and ladies, if God is feeling distant in your life right now, if this, if this sounds foreign, the stuff we're talking about, if it sounds foreign to you, then I really, really want to ask you, stop. Make your way back to finding this pure and simple relationship with Jesus. So oftentimes, Jesus feels far and, and it's hard to see him because our eyes are so blinded by all the stuff in our lives. We get blinded by this week's desires. We get blinded by, by today's fears. We get blinded by the relationships we want or that we're struggling with. We get blinded by, by things we need by the problems we despise. More often than not, it's not destruction that causes our greatest concern, but it's distraction. And today, today is your day. Today it's, it's time to come back to that pure and simple relationship with Jesus, to come and make Him your life and to make His life central in your life. Remember, you were created in God's image. And the more you become like Jesus, the closer you become the person you were created to be the closer you get to living that full and satisfying life. It's in Him that you find fulfillment. It's in Him that you find this full, full life. I wonder today, what's your next step? What's your next step? Maybe today your next step is to repeat the words, of the psalmist where they prayed this search me O God and know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life let's pray Father God, I thank you that today, Lord, we can just 
come right back to what really matters in life, Lord. Lord, that we can come back to, to really seeking out and just pursuing that pure and simple relationship with you. And that it's through that relationship that we can find a fullness of life, the fullness of life that you promised us when you said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Lord, I thank you that as guys and ladies just come back to making you central in their lives. Lord, that you bring that fullness, that you refocus our lives, and that you give us that, that real and genuine life, that active and vigorous life. Lord, that life that you promised that is found in you. And Lord, I thank you that you do not disappoint, but that we can trust you with our lives that we can trust you with every aspect of our lives. So, Father God, we thank you that we can come to you, that we can find real and lasting life in you. So we give you these lives and say, do with them as you please. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we trust that from today forward, that you will keep Jesus, the life, central to your life. And that as you do, that you'll really experience that fullness of life that he promised to you and to me. As we just keep our relationship with him pure and simple. Keeping him, the life, central to our lives. So, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I would love to welcome you to Life Central. We love you. Trust you have a great week. Cheers. We trust that you found this message valuable. For more information on who we are or how you can get involved, please check out our website at bikerschurchmidrand.co.za or connect with us through social media on Facebook or Instagram. Beyond that, have a great day.